Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. I told you guys yesterday that Yellen is motivated to rebuild the IRS to all of its thieving glory. But within the first week of the new Congress, a dozen GOP lawmakers introduced a bill that would abolish the IRS altogether and replace the entire federal tax code with a national sales tax. Separately, the House voted to rescind nearly $80 billion in funding for the agency that Democrats approved last year with many top Republicans repeating the misleading claim that the money will be used to hire 87,000 auditors, except for that's what the IRS said they were going to do. It's highly unlikely that either bill will become law given that Democrats still control the Senate, but the measures highlight how America's two major political parties have very different strategies when it comes to addressing the embattled tax collection agency, which has seen its budget shrink by more than 15% over the past decade and has struggled to not only process returns on time, but also answer taxpayers' questions. Just 13% of phone calls were answered last year. Could you imagine if you only performed your job 13% of the time? Now let's go back real quick to this, it's highly unlikely business. If Republicans are smart, they'll partner up with that far-left wing of the Democratic Party. What better way to be one with the people than to remove the largest theft from their income? Tell Matt Gates to get on the phone with AOC? Start whipping that far-left Democrat portion of the Senate? And that bill is now bipartisan and sitting on the president's desk. I don't know how he vetoes a bill that's so in favor of the working man that he pretends to represent. Democrats have taken a different approach, making funding the IRS a priority. The Inflation Reduction Act, which passed along party lines last year, approved that $80 billion for the IRS over 10 years. By using the money to crack down on tax cheats, it's estimated that the agency could boost federal revenue by more than $124 billion over that time frame. The Republicans' Fair Tax Act is not a new idea. A version was first introduced in Congress in 1999, but it's never had enough support to become a law. It does put forth an appealing message, though, to those Americans who love to hate the federal tax agency. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. It would get rid of the complicated federal tax system doing away with the annual task of filing tax returns. Instead, the bill would replace federal taxes on individual and corporate income with a national 23% sales tax in 2025, allowing for adjustments to the rate in later years. I do not like that portion of the the language. Um, Americans would pay Uncle Sam whenever they bought a new good or service for personal consumption. The bill calls for abolishing the IRS and directing states to collect the new federal tax. While every consumer would pay the same tax at the cash register, 
the bill does provide for a monthly tax rebate payment based on the poverty rate and family size. It's meant to help offset the tax levy on low-income families who tend to spend a higher share of their paycheck on goods and services. A national sales tax appears very simple. One rate, all Americans pay on new goods and services that they buy. But some policy experts say the Fair Tax Act is more complicated than it looks. Moving away from taxing income and toward taxing consumption is a step in the right direction for a pro-growth and simpler tax code, said Garrett Watson, who is a senior policy analyst at the Tax Foundation, which is an independent tax policy nonprofit. But there could still be complications. First, the tax rate would likely have to be higher than 23% in order for the federal government to pull in the same amount of tax revenue than it does now, or that it does now. One estimate found that a tax rate of about 30% would be more likely able to generate the same amount of revenue, or 44% if measured the way state sales taxes are typically represented. (laughs) It is bold of you to presume that we're willing to let the federal government continue to try to operate at the amount of revenue that they're currently stealing from us. They will take 23%, and operate within the confines of that budget. Otherwise, they're SOL. Second, a nationwide sales tax could leave low and middle-income people worse off. The current tax system is progressive, meaning it takes a larger percentage of income from high earners than low-income groups. Even with the monthly tax rebate, a national sales tax would still be less progressive. And that, kids, is what we call gaslighting. You'd keep all of your money, and instead of paying 30% of your gross income to the federal government, plus 7% sales tax on everything that you purchase with your net income, you'd get to keep all of your money and pay a flat 23% tax on consumables. Now, I'm not great at math, but I feel like one of these is not as good as the other one. I will let you decide which. The basic income tax is simple, too, said Howard Gleckman, a senior fellow at the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. It's the deductions, credits, and exclusions, like for retirement savings and charitable giving, that make it complicated. Plus, Americans would likely have to file some paperwork uh, in order to receive the rebate, Gleckman said. The administration cost may be less than it is now, but it would be it wouldn't be zero. Someone check this man's tongue. I feel like it's black from licking all that government boot at this point. If I pay my respective tax upon purchasing said goods and services, the government can figure that out. I'm not submitting anything to anyone. Hopefully, we'll have a black market set up for cash money in no time where we pay half of that 23% and the person we're buying goods from gets to keep that portion for themselves, like a tip. The rest of this article wants me to feel bad for the IRS. I don't. It's an agency of theft, stealing from hardworking people all around this country, and they do not deserve to exist. So, if you want to hear about how sad it is that they're starting with a backlog in the 2023 season, you are welcome to read the article that's in my show notes. The FDA will reportedly propose a new strategy for COVID-19 vaccinations on Monday, 
Uh, that was today, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know what the results of this are, but um, it's likely to involve a similar approach to annual flu vaccines. The FDA will outline its proposed strategy yesterday ahead of Thursday's meeting of its Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, which will have to approve the proposal. This new approach will reportedly forego the existing process where people are first expected to receive two doses of the vaccine, spaced a few weeks apart, followed by a bivalent booster two months later that's been formulated specifically to protect against more infectious variants, it would instead recommend that people get the latest formulation of the vaccine every fall, regardless of their prior vaccination history similar to annual flu shots. Under this process, new vaccines for fall would be developed over the spring to offer protection against what's expected to be the most prevalent strain later that year. The FDA said the purpose of Thursday's meeting is to consider how and whether the composition for primary doses should be modified, along with the composition and schedule for booster doses. Moving forward, 15.3% uh, is the percentage of all Americans who have received a bivalent booster dose for COVID-19. In comparison, nearly 70% of all Americans have received the primary two doses of the vaccine. I'd venture a suggestion that this is because a vaccine, until recently, implied prevention of contracting an illness. But I know we've changed entire definitions in the name of this situation. Um, it's unclear if the reported strategy will help boost vaccine uptake or if it will be effective in preventing widespread infections. The lower uptake of the bivalent boosters, despite evidence that it offers better protection, indicates that an annual booster strategy may find significantly fewer takers. The efficacy of the reformulated boosters themselves will also likely be a question mark because the shots will be developed long before the fall season, meaning the emergence of a newer, more evasive variant could nullify their useless use. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Usefulness, <laughs> similar to a flu shot as well. To compare, 51.4% of Americans have taken their annual flu shots for the 2022-2023 season. Oh man, uh, the head of House Democrats has submitted reps Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell to sit on the powerful Intelligence Committee, setting up a battle with Republican leaders who are vowing to keep them off the panel. Um, because one had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy while serving on the Intel Committee, and the other spent six years crawling all over any news channel that would have him spouting off evidence of Russian collusion, while knowing that he was lying and deceiving the American public, doing irreparable damage to public trust. Separately, Democrats this week are also expected to seat Rep. Ilhan Omar on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, according to a source familiar with the Democrats' plans, which will likely prompt GOP leaders to hold a floor vote to remove her. Ilhan's father helped Saeed Barr rape, terrorize, and pillage his own countrymen. And when that Marxist regime was falling, she and her family had to hide and live on a guarded compound in Mogadishu. During the Somali Rebellion, which was a coalition of militias that overthrew Barr and his military, where then her family later fled to Kenya. 
That history and background, coupled with recent claims that Ilhan Omar was recruited by the Qatari government to pass sensitive information to Iran in Florida court proceedings. According to testimony by Kuwaiti-born Canadian businessman Alan Bender, was giving evidence in the trial of Sheikh Khalid bin Hamid al-Tani. His direct quote was, If it wasn't for our cash, Ilhan Omar would be just another black Somali refugee in America collecting welfare and serving tables on weekends. He said that officials asked him to bring on board American politicians and journalists as Qatari assets, and that when he objected, he was told that several prominent figures were already on the payroll. Omar was described as the jewel in the crown. Man, the best thing that money can buy is an American politician, because they are so cheap. Unlike most committees, however, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has special rules empowering the Speaker to assign the panel's members in consultation with the minority leader. That means McCarthy can also decline to seat members without relying on a full House vote. Schiff, as former chairman of the Intelligence Committee, had led the investigations into former President Trump's ties to Russia, which didn't exist, and Republicans have accused him of lying to the public during the course of those probes, which he did. In Swalwell's case, Republicans have highlighted his ties to a suspected Chinese spy who had helped fundraise for his 2014 re-election campaign, which was revealed in 2020, six years later. After the FBI informed Swalwell of their concern, then he cut ties with the Chinese national and has said that McCarthy's decision to remove him from the Intelligence Committee is purely vengeance. Um, bro, you were in a long-term relationship with a Chinese spy. The FBI whispering in your ear was what ended it, not your wherewithal to recognize that maybe she only liked you for your big pile of classified documents. Your OPSEC is compromised. You have proven that with, I mean, like, you've proven that with your inept powers of discernment. Not to mention, you threatened to nuke the citizenry. That is conduct unbecoming of a congressman, certainly one that's sitting on the House Intelligence Committee. Speaking of conduct unbecoming, Vice President Kamala Harris sparked a debate on social media after she omitted life from a speech addressing the rights that are mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. Harris delivered a speech in Tallahassee, Florida on Sunday to mark the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court case that for decades guaranteed abortion rights across the United States because, yes, murdering children is something that we should be celebrating and tying to the Declaration of Independence. However, the court last year overturned the decision in Dobbs v. Jackson as well, or I'm sorry, as a result, several states quickly moved to ban or greatly limit the medical procedure, stifling access for millions of Americans and saving countless numbers of lives. Harris, a staunch supporter of reproductive rights, whatever that means, of murder, emphasized the importance of laws allowing for abortion during her speech, making a reference to the Declaration of Independence. Quote, America is a promise. 
It's a promise of freedom and liberty, not for some, but for all. The irony, you guys, not for some, but for all. (laughs) A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness, Harris said. These rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. Critics very quickly pointed out that Harris did not mention the Declaration's quote in full, omitting that it also describes life as one of the three unalienable human rights. This omission prompted debate on Twitter with several people calling the vice president out for not mentioning it. But don't worry, completely disingenuous and ignorant people came to her rescue to defend her abhorrent recitation of one of the most important founding documents of our country. They argued that the Declaration of Independence never made a clear reference to abortion. Although conservatives sought to criticize Harris for not mentioning the right to life, this line of the Declaration is viewed by many historians as a reference to John Locke's two treatises, true treatises, can't even say that word right now, of government, I need, I need caffeine this morning, in which he was writing about property, not abortion. Furthermore, the Declaration of Independence is not legally binding, but is viewed as a philosophical framework for the U.S. government. Amy Freed, or Fried, however you say her name, professor of political science at the University of Maine, questioned conservatives' understanding of the document. The right to life in the Declaration of Independence has nothing to do with abortion, And it's historically illiterate to suggest otherwise, she tweeted on Monday. I want to respond to every single one of these little quips, but we'll be here all night if I get if I start tearing into this. I just want you guys to hear what the other side is saying about this, (laughs) this speech. Author Landis Lane pointed out that women and people of color were not given equal rights at the time of the Declaration of Independence and tweeted, the Declaration of Independence only applies to white men. It does not mention women or children or fetuses at all. Thus, women and children have no right to life. This has been illustrated over and over again in this life in America. Well, you must be tweeting that from the dead. (sighs) If you want to twist life to mean property, I assure you that I can do the same, and I'm going to twist that to property to mean that my children's bodies are their own property and they have a right to that property, aka their life. And until they're old enough to protect themselves, I will protect their life and my own life by any means necessary. While her omission speaks far louder than the word escaping her lips, I have another much more important section that I'd like to bring to Kamala's attention. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. I'm really starting to feel my safety 
and happiness affected pretty negatively at this point. Just saying. Okay, so one more story because I think it's crucial to again point out how absolutely compromised and worthless the FBI is. The former top counterintelligence official at the FBI's New York field office has been arrested and charged with violating U.S. sanctions on Russia and money laundering. Charles McGonigal, who's 54 years old, was accused in a five-count indictment of working for Russian aluminum magnate Oleg Deripaska, who has been under U.S. sanctions since 2018. Sergei Shestakov, a former Russian diplomat turned U.S. citizen, who worked as an interpreter for federal courts and prosecutors, was also charged in the scheme. Federal prosecutors allege that the pair worked for Deripaska to investigate an unnamed rival Russian oligarch in 2021 in violation of U.S. sanctions and worked to conceal their activity. Shestikov faces an additional charge of lying to FBI investigators. McGonagall retired in 2018 after 20, 22 years with the Bureau. Most recently, a special agent in charge of the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York. The Justice Department said he supervised and participated in investigations of Russian oligarchs, including Deripaska. In a separate case, McGonagall is also facing charges in the District of Columbia related to at least $225,000 in cash that he allegedly received from a person with business interests in Europe and who worked for a foreign intelligence service. The indictment alleges that McGonagall, while still working at the FBI, was introduced to Shestikov to an employee and agent of Deripaska around 2018. The unidentified agent, who was a former diplomat with Russia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and believed to be a Russian intelligence officer. The agent also worked for and reported to Deripaska, according to the court filing. FBI Director Christopher Wray praised FBI investigators for their investigation of McGonagall. The way we maintain the trust and confidence of the American people is through our work showing when all the facts come out that we stuck to the process and we treated everyone equally, even when it's one of our own. The FBI will go to great lengths to investigate and hold accountable anyone who violates the law, including when the individual is an FBI employee. We hold ourselves to the highest standard and our focus will remain on our mission and on doing the right thing the right way, every time. This is the same dude that led the Trump-Russia probe. Not Christopher Ray, but the, the guy that they just arrested. So, McConaughey. Anyway, that is your Tuesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, and I hope you choose to pursue your life, life liberty and pursuit of happiness today. Y'all take care. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.